So this week I came across a verse that really sums up quite a lot of things for me. And it was Romans 15, 4. And it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And it is my hope today that we may be taught, that we may be encouraged, and that we may be... We may endure and have hope. So we're going to start reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And I have quite an old version, so it's um, a different version that will be coming up on the projector, we hope. So, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kom, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So we have three sections in, of people in this. We have a large crowd. We have Jesus, who the large crowd have come to see. And then we have Jairus, a synagogue ruler. Now, 
Jairus is a person of prominence. He had in the community and in the religious community that he belongs to. He um, he's not a religious leader. It's more of an administrative role, but it is a very respected role all the same. And he is there. And for Jairus to come to Jesus is a big thing, a massive thing. I, I think we don't really appreciate it in our time and in our culture. But at that time, it was a very, very major deal for Jairus to come to Jesus. And the, the reason is that Jesus is not popular with the religious leaders in the synagogues, he, which are the, usually the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He, and the reason he's not popular with them is for several reasons. Jesus has come and he is pointing out just how badly they're leading in the synagogues. He's pointing out their hypocrisy. He points out their public displays of righteousness. So some of them have got these um, boxes and they've made them very big. They're called phylacteries and they they wear them either on their wrists or on their foreheads. And they contain scriptures, but it's a way of displaying to everybody, oh, look at me, I'm so righteous, I'm so good, you know, you need to respect me, you need to listen to me, you need to give me, when you invite me to a meal at your house, you need to give me a place of honour, you know, I'm a big wig, and you need to know that. And they pray on street corners so that everybody can see what they're doing. Um, And Jesus has pointed that out to them, you know, that that's not the way that we should be doing things. And in fact, Jesus teaches that when we pray, we should go into our closet. Um, And if we do things for a public reason, then we um, we, we will have received our reward in full because people will have noticed what we're doing. He also calls them things like whitewashed tombs and wicked and adulterous generations. He doesn't like the fact that they put impossible demands on the people to keep God's laws. Um, And then they bend the rules to suit themselves. And so as a result, both the Pharisees and Sadducees plot together. It's the only time they ever work together because they didn't really like each other either. But it's the only time they ever work together and they plot to kill Jesus. Another reason why the establishment, the synagogues, um, don't like Jesus is because he's popular with the people. Everywhere he goes, he seems to attract a large crowd. And it's because he teaches them as one who has authority. He cares for them. He's performing miracles of healing the sick and giving the blind their sight, their deaf, their hearing. He's raising people from the dead. He's performing miracles all over the place. And at that time, in that age, Jesus is regarded a bit of a cult. Um, They're not regarding him as part of the Jewish tradition, or they don't see him as a Messiah. The establishment are regarding him as a cult. So for Jairus to be seen with Jesus is a really big thing as a synagogue ruler who Jesus is really preaching against um, is a really, really big thing. It's seen as endorsing what Jesus is doing. And it's also seen that 
Jairus could lose his place in the synagogue. He could lose his place in the community. He could lose the respect of the people. He, you know, he can lose his good name, his reputation, everything. He could be excluded from the community. And so it's a really, really big thing. But the biggest thing he's in danger of losing is his daughter. So he comes to Jesus. And he doesn't come to Jesus as an equal or as a ruler of the synagogue. But he's coming to Jesus humbly and he's coming in faith. And he falls at Jesus' feet and pleads with him earnestly. So that her, and the faith part is that he says, if you lay your hands on her, she will be healed and she will live. And Jesus doesn't respond verbally, or it's not recorded here that he responds verbally with, towards Jairus, but he does go with him. And in the process of going, we then have another person who comes along, um, a woman. Now, in Jewish culture, a woman was on the social scale lower than that of livestock. There was a prayer, something along the lines of, I'm glad I wasn't born um, poor or a cow or a woman. So, you know, to, to actually come lower than livestock, that's where you, that was your position in society. But she shouldn't have been there at all. She has a, an issue of bleeding, and it's not—it's um, more of a woman's issue than just general bleeding from any other orifice. It's a woman's problem, and that makes her unclean according to Jewish laws. And in Leviticus 15, it tells you all about the Jewish law of being unclean and what she needed to do. So she needed to stay at home. She needed to be isolated. She, um, I mean, it's quite severe, the, not the bleeding, but the um, isolation thing. Because it's a case of, you know, if she sits down on a chair, then that chair becomes unclean. Her clothes are unclean. If anybody touches the chair that she sat on, they become unclean. If she touches their clothes, their clothes are unclean. So she's out and about in this crowd with the sole purpose of coming to Jesus, but she's, every, she's somewhere where she shouldn't be. She is touching people, and unbeknownst to them, she's making them ceremonially unclean. So this poor woman is a complete social outcast. Now, in some versions of the Bible, it says that she um, touches the hem of his robe or touches his cloak. And, and years ago, when there was a great resurgence in the Jewish roots of the Bible, they said that Jesus would have been recognized as a teacher. And as a teacher on his, clo- on his robe, he would have had tassels at the bottom. So she was reaching to touch his tassels. The thing is, she was doing this out of superstition because there was a superstitious thing at that time that thought that a person who was a healer 
They could transmit their healing into their clothes. So you didn't need to touch the person. You just needed to touch a piece of their clothing and you would be healed. So she does touch, reach out and touch Jesus and she is healed. And then Jesus wants to know who's touched her. And I can sort of put myself into this position and sort of think, I would have felt awful because I would have thought, oh my goodness, you know, your insides turn to worms and, and you're just saying, no, 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 don't single me out. I don't want to be seen. You know, this is why I've come as part of the crowd. I don't want to, I don't want to be singled out. I don't want to be shamed. I don't want anybody to know what I've done. Um, you know, so, I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be in major trouble for breaking the law because I shouldn't be here and I shouldn't have touched and I'm making everybody unclean. But Jesus persists in wanting to know who has touched him. And so she does the only thing that she feels that she can do and comes forward and confesses all. And Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The reason Jesus singles her out is because he knows about this superstition thing about if you touch my clothes, you know, you might get, I'm a healer and you might get healed. And he wants her to know that it's not superstition that has healed her. It is her faith. It's the fact that she's trusted in him that has healed her and made her clean. And when he says to her, go in peace and be freed from your suffering, the Hebrew word is usually shalom, which indicates a wholeness and speaks of healing, but also of deliverance and salvation. And so he's saying to her, you know, not only are you healed, but you are forgiven and you can, you are can be a believer and a Christian, a follower of mine. And because of what's happened to her, she, is, she can be reintegrated back into the community. Now, if I was Jairus at this point, I would be absolutely chaffing at the delay, thinking, oh, come on, come on, you know, my daughter is dying. The sooner you get there, the sooner, you know, you can lay your hands on her the sooner she'll get well. Because, you know, once she's dead, it's all over. Because, as people say today, when you're dead, you're dead. But that's not always the case. And so, he's chuffing at the delay. And before even Jesus has finished speaking to the woman, telling her to go in peace, um, the professional mourners, which are also a sign of how respected and um, prominent Jairus is, turn up to tell him that his little girl has died and, you know, let's just all pack up and go home and don't bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus sort of comes in on the tail end of that and ignores what they're saying and he says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And Jairus does. Whether he's afraid, I think I might still be afraid, thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to happen now. But he does believe because he lets Jesus come with him and they walk home to his house where he raises the child from the dead 
and restores us to our mum and dad. Now, how can we apply this story to our lives? Well, first of all, I think it clearly tells us that it doesn't matter what we think we are or what we think we're not. We can either be a leader in society or we can be an outcast. But we can all come to Jesus. I think this story teaches us that it's in the coming that we demonstrate our faith. And Jesus always responds to faith. And sometimes that response is instantaneous and the healing is total and immediate. And sometimes his response is, don't be afraid, just believe. And then we demonstrate our faith or our believing by by continuing to walk with Jesus, however far it might be, And however bad it gets. It is my encouragement to you today. I want to ask you to keep on believing. To keep on having faith in Jesus. To keep on reaching out. To keep on touching him. To keep on walking with him. And if we don't get healed this side of um, heaven, then we are still walking in faith and believing in faith and reaching out in faith and touching Jesus in faith. And it is my prayer for us all that we will have had hope today and that we have been encouraged to endure and to And to just keep on reaching out, keep on touching, keep on believing. Thank you.